today on It's Time. Again, he's made us kings and priests. He's going to do that during the millennial reign of Christ. The Bible says you're going to rule and reign with him. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. Revelation chapter 1. Now, there's a lot of talk on this particular book that it's a sealed book and it's impossible to understand. Nothing's farther from the truth. What you've got to remember about the book of Revelation, the rest of the Bible does the commentary on this book. In other words, it's what makes it make sense. And we know that Jesus, when he came to this earth, was very concerned to tell us the things that would come in the future. Now, this is one of the great things about the Bible that makes Christianity different than all the other religions of the world. A lot of people say, well, what difference does it make what you believe? Everything. Because it's not only where we came from, it's where we're all going. And Jesus was very concerned about that. And only the Bible has prophecy in it. Two-thirds of the Bible... Two-thirds of the prophecies have already come true. There's a remaining one-third that will come true. And this book of Revelation speaks of the apocalypse, and that's what the word means in the Greek. And it literally means the unveiling. In other words, God did not want this not only to be a sealed book, he wanted it to be an open book. People would understand who he is by it. Now, a lot of times we can get kind of a a different concept of who God is or Jesus is by just seeing him hold the little lambs and everybody goes, oh, that's real nice. But we don't often view Jesus as a mighty warrior. And the Bible in Revelation tells us this is who he is. So when we understand that the world is rushing towards a judgment, rushing towards that time in which God will hold men and women accountable for their lifestyles. This book becomes extremely important because it shows us who Jesus Christ is, who we are, where we're going, and what's going to be left behind during this time of the great judgment on the earth. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. And Jesus, you would come now in a special way via your Holy Spirit and fill our hearts and fill this room and may we be about your business and so that we would not be fearful of the days to come but God that we would know and have good answers for not only our own heart but those around us when they ask us what is happening in the world so now we ask you that your spirit of revelation would come and reveal to us who you are in Jesus name amen Revelation 1, and by the way, this was written by John. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. The Romans were superstitious people. They were very pantheistic. Now you say, what's that word mean? They believed in a lot of gods. 
And they were superstitious. In fact, Paul, when he goes to Mars Hill, and he's talking with these Romans and Greeks and all those, he says, I see you're all very superstitious people. In your old King James, it uses that word superstitious. And he says, you have all these uh, uh, monuments to all your gods, and you have one here, just in case you might have missed one, and that one that was missed might become angry, you have to the unknown God, just in case we missed one. Paul says, this is the one I want to tell you about. But he said, you're very superstitious people. Now, the persecution was on now in the Roman culture against Christians. And they had captured John the Beloved, and they decided to kill him in a very unusual way, and that was to boil him in oil. This is according to many sources, Fox's Book of Martyrs and others. And he didn't die. And the Romans, being very superstitious, thought, well, maybe we're not supposed to kill him. Uh, Let's just exile him. So we're going to read here a little bit about how John was exiled on an island, really, of criminals. It was like Alcatraz, if you will. Very sparsely populated. And so John is exiled on this island. And though he may have been forgotten by people, he might have been forgotten by the Romans, they were put on an island, God never forgot him and gives him this great revelation of what will happen in the days to come. Again, the word revelation means the unveiling. So if you uh, go to, you know, a county fair or a city park and they have this bronze statue and they have the blanket over it and, you know, they got the band, you know, oompa band out there, bump, bump, oompa. And now comes the great moment and they pull the sheet off the, off the uh, statue. That's the revelation. That's the unveiling of. Well, that's what this book does. It unveils God's plan for the world, God's plan for you, me, and where everything's headed. I like God because he tells us what's going to happen before it happens, and that's great. The revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things which must shortly take place, he sent his he, he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. Now, the secret to understanding the book of Revelation, and it's not really a secret at all, it's just if you read the entirety of the book, is in verse 19. If you like to mark things in your Bible, you might write verse 19, and this is why. Jesus tells him to write the things which you have seen, the things which are and the things which will take place after this. So the secret of Revelation is the things which are, the things you have seen, and the things that will be. A lot of times people try to make this all one package, and it's not that way. It's very clearly that there is three stages. Uh, I often think about it like uh, in a car, and you have, remember the old stick shifts, you know, it made it really hard to eat a cheeseburger, drink your big gulp, and shift all at the same time. But um, there are stages to which we understand things. And a lot of times people try to shift into high before they get the things which they have seen, which the things which are, and the things that will be. And so he says, 
which will shortly take place. Uh, there were things taking place right then. There are things taking place in the future. And again, God lives in all times present. So uh, what is short to us uh, or to God may be long to us. And so he says, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. Blessed, and by the way, that's you and me. I always like to find myself in scripture. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. I don't know how near the time is for any of us. You know, I think every year we celebrate Christmas and then afterwards we have uh, the first of the year, New Year's Eve and all. And every Christmas, as Christmas goes by, we recognize the family members that aren't there, that were there the year before. Maybe grandma and grandpa, or maybe a brother or sister, or somebody that uh, fell sick or something. The time is near. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. That's why I tell everybody, as the Bible says, today is the appointed day of salvation. Do what you can do for God today. We might not have tomorrow. And your friends may not have tomorrow either. And so we want to be sensitive to those things in time. So blessed is he who reads. Hey, there's a blessing in reading this book. Isn't that great to know? That if you read this book, you're going to be blessed by God. Why is that? I don't completely understand it, but I do know one thing, that when you read Revelation, it changes the way we think about time. Time is a weird thing. Now, I was watching, I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I was watching this documentary on Einstein. And Einstein got into the theory of relativity. And now people are going, no, no, it's really weird. He said that the farther you move away from this earth, time slows down. I thought that was weird. And so to prove the point, they had two atomic clocks. They set them exactly at the same time. They put one at sea level, one on top of a mountain back east. I don't know if it was Mount Washington or one of them. But when they let them run for a while, they brought them back down. And sure enough, the clock that was at sea level was reading faster than the clock that had been up on top of the mountain. And they say the farther you move away from earth, the slower time gets. And people say, well, how does that affect me? I don't care about stuff like that. Well, I think you will. Your GPS on your phone or, you know, the one, that, the Garmin that you have in your car, they had to take into accountability the slowing down of time when they put the satellites in orbit, because remember, it's farther away from the earth. They said if they didn't allow for that time shift, that those theories that uh, Einstein had, well, they come to find that they were true. If they didn't adjust for that, your GPS would be six miles off when you went to find something. And so it's weird that time seems to be kind of relative to our earth. And the farther you move away from our earth, time stands still. It's weird. The Bible says that in Revelation 22, Jesus said, I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. God lives in all times present. That's weird to me. I don't know anything like that. Everything I know is like a 57 Chevy. Oh, it's over 50 years old. I understand that. Or the, the date on my milk as I go through the store. And you know you do this too. You look for the newest milk. We don't want to buy no old milk, you know. 
I remember one time I was in a hurry. I was late for work. I didn't have time for breakfast. The alarm didn't go off. I poured myself a glass of milk, chugged it only to realize it was sour. Bad experience. I was sick all day. Now the point is, is this. We look for what's new. Why? Because we're, we're sensitive to time. You ever talk to a little kid and you'll say, how old are you? And they'll go, six going on seven. I'm so glad to hear you. Six going on 25. No, I'm really glad that they, they recognize they want to be older. Now, when you get older, somebody says, how old are you? Go, uh, 40-ish. We don't tell anyone. We don't want them to know. We want to make ourselves look as good as we can. We prop it up, diet, suck it in, blow it out. We try our best to look good as we get older. Kids don't care about that. But we're sensitive to time, but God isn't. I think it's interesting. This is why I do believe God says today is the appointed day of salvation. Never put off tomorrow what you can do today in Christ. So this revelation comes. And why did it come? John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come, and the seven spirits who are before his throne. The seven spirits of God. People have often asked, what is the seven spirits of God? And we find a reference to seven spirits in the book of Isaiah chapter 11. And I'll just read them to you. And here they are, Revelation chapter 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. That's the first thing that the spirit of the Lord will do is rest upon you. The second is he'll reveal the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. These are all attributes of God. Then we have four and five, the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. And six and seven, the spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord. In fact, the Bible says to uh, fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means have that awesome respect for who God is. Well, he says, grace to you and peace. These are the Siamese twins you'll find always through the Bible. Grace, God giving to you and me what we don't deserve. Uh, God just being good to you because he loves you. I like that. It's like you, mom and dad, are graceful to your kids at Christmas. You're giving to your kids presents, not because maybe they've been good all year, but because you love them. That's grace. And notice he says also, peace. When you know the grace of God, you'll know the peace of God. God's favor towards you. He says, and from Jesus Christ, verse 5, the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead. Now that's not talking in order. That's talking about preeminence. Jesus was the one that when he rose from the dead, demonstrated, proved to all humanity, there is power over death. In other words, death is not the final curtain. And that's very important because everybody wonders about this. You know, you stop to think about it for a minute. Everybody's going to die. And that question is, where do you go? What do you do when your day comes? And if Jesus Christ isn't first in your life, you're going to find yourself having to plead your case before God why you did what you did. And you know, the Bible says there's no excuses. You know, we find Adam and Eve practicing that in the garden. God said to Adam, why did you eat of the tree? Well, that woman you gave me. Now, it's either the woman or you. You guys are the problem. You duke it out. Let me know what you can figure out. 
See, that woman you gave me. So God, you gave me a faulty thing here in some way. Or she did it. I don't know who did it. Pass the buck. Woman, why did you eat of the tree? Well, that serpent. We're masters at blaming others for what we do wrong. You know, on judgment day, there's not going to be anybody to blame. So either Jesus is your attorney, your, your, your high priest, or you're going to make your plea alone. That's why it's great when we accept Christ as our Savior. The Bible says he takes away our sins. And the Bible says when the devil accuses us before God day and night, Jesus pleads our case. I like that. Well, I died for that person. Did you see what they did? Yes, and I died for that person. Isn't that good to know that you have somebody, an advocate who is God on your side? Isn't that neat when you're going to stand before God someday? And you're sitting there on the throne, and God says, why should I let you into my kingdom? And Jesus looks over at Dad and says, he's one of mine. Oh, okay. You know, it's the old thing. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, knowing Jesus Christ makes all the difference in eternity. So he says, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over all the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's who we are, and that's what we celebrate at communion when we hold that cup in our hand. Washed us in his own blood. You know, he didn't farm it out to somebody else. He did it himself for you and me. And he's made us kings and priests to God the Father, to him be glory and honor forever and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And again, he's made his kings and priests. He's going to do that during the millennial reign of Christ. The Bible says you're going to rule and reign with him. Now, this is why this is important. I believe this is part of the blessing in reading this book, because it lets us know a little bit more about eternity. And first of all is this, everyone living today is determining what position you're going to hold in eternity. Wow. So when you stop to think about that, every day becomes pretty valuable here on this earth when, you're dis- when you understand you're determining your position eternally. Now, again, he who has been faithful over little, I'll make you faithful over much. That's what the Bible says. And so he says, made us kings and priests. During the millennial reign of Christ, you will rule with Jesus. You will be the police force, the ambassadors, the uh, local government office. That's your position. Kind of a nice to know what you're going to be doing for God throughout of eternity, and during at least during the millennium, and then throughout all of uh, all of heaven. The Bible says that He's going to show us His greatness. What's beyond the stars? What's inside the atom? God's got that all for you. Coming up. Don't want to miss that for anything. And so we know it's going to be during the millennium. Behold. He is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. And I believe this is speaking here directly of the second coming of Christ, not the rapture. He's coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. And they also who pierced him, speaking of the Jewish nation in particular, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, so be it. Or amen. Here Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. Literally, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Here we find Jesus claiming to be the Almighty. Now, I've had people in cults say, well, there's nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus is God. Here is a verse that says that. Let's read it again. I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come. 
Now, again, this is important to know who Jesus Christ is. If you don't get who Jesus Christ is, you're going to get everything else messed up. This is one of the great problems. And by the way, whenever you want to talk to somebody, they come up to you and they act like they're a brother or a sister in the Lord. You want to just ask them a couple questions. Number one, who's Jesus? Jesus is God. That's what the Bible says. You can go to Matthew chapter one and it says he'll be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That's who he is. So when they say he's Satan's brother, or if they say he's Michael the archangel, or if they say he was one of the greats, Buddha, Muhammad, and there was Jesus, and you know they all had some great words of truth, you know that the person doesn't know who Jesus is. If they say, as Middle Eastern religion, we're all Jesuses, I'm Jesus, you're Jesus, cuckoo, cuckoo, let's all group together. Kind of a dangerous place. If you don't get who Jesus is right, you're not going to get anything else right. The Bible declares that he is God. Thomas, when Jesus offered to put this, said, put your fingers in the holes in my hand and thrust your hand into my side. Thomas fell to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God, that's who Jesus Christ is. The second thing the cults get goofed up is hell. You'll always find those two, who Jesus is and hell. Jesus spoke 11 times about hell. Hell is mentioned a lot through the Bible. It's a place, the Bible says, of everlasting torment. Now, again, I don't know all that hell is, friends. But I know whatever it is, it is so bad that Jesus gave up the worship of angels in a beautiful place, came down, humbled himself, born in a, in a dirty manger, I don't know how clean any manger can be. Suffered the the sarcasm of human beings through his ministry and then crucified on a thorny, on a splintery old cross. I don't know all that hell is, but Jesus gave up everything to keep us out of it. I think that's a lot to be said. But the cults say, no, hell is a... Fig Newton of your imperial margarine. I mean, a figment of your imagination. They will say that, well, hell is just a place of thought. Hell isn't real. Hell is annihilation. No, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Again, they have eternity messed up and they have who Jesus Christ is messed up. And by the way, then you'll find other things like, well, how are we then redeemed by God? Well, you got to go out, do good things, go door to door, sell flowers in airports, all kinds of religious stuff to show your worthiness to be. And the problem is you'll never know if you're good enough because that's how they put the hook in you to keep you coming back. You see, when you're in Christ Jesus... You're saved. The Bible says if we abide in him, you're redeemed. Hey, I pray that you're abiding in Christ today. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.